You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a new week and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And joining me this week once again, because we're going to continue to knock out five shows together a week for one more week, my lovely co-host, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire, Mr. Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Getting excited. We're like, what, two weeks away from actual games. We're going to have some real basketball this week. It's, it's uh, finally time for the offseason to be over. Yeah, we're rolling. I'm I'm pumped. I mean, we got to watch Nets Lakers today, the the JV teams for both teams, of course. But uh, that will not be the case for the Pacers. We'll get to that momentarily. But yeah, the NBA is back. It's it's really crazy. A year ago today, uh, I guess for those of you listening on Monday the fourth was NBA Finals Game Three for the 2020 NBA Finals. It's crazy how much has happened in a year. So, quick note for all of those of you listening via normal podcast audio methods. This is our first episode on YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch slash listen to Lockdown Pacers and see our beautiful faces, uh, we're on YouTube. So if I sound like I'm pointing at something, that's because I'm actually looking at myself on a camera. You can see us every week, uh, every day. If you go to the Lockdown Pacers YouTube page, go check that out. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's a new adventure for us. But today we're breaking down preseason basketball for the Pacers. They have a real game tomorrow against the Knicks in New York. What to watch for in preseason? What are we watching for? What's important stuff for this team? And we've kind of touched on a lot of it as camp has started, but we've gotten more information. Actual games are different things to watch than in camp. Carlisle's influence on this team will start to become more relevant. So we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Pacers in camp. And we've come up with a few things we're watching from the team in the games this week, plus some other notes from camp, because I've been at practices all week long, I can tell you some stuff about this team. So Adam, give me something that you are going to be watching for from the Pacers in these preseason games. Uh, well, I think I'll go with, with the most obvious one or probably one of the two most obvious ones. And that is the rookies. Obviously that is, we will probably get a healthy, to watch. we'll get a healthy dose of Duarte and Jackson. I assume like, I mean, I, I probably 20 plus minutes of each of them just because I don't imagine the starters will play after the first half in either game, frankly, unless there's some reason to maybe to close it out. So yeah, the rookies are where I would start. Yeah, that's the that's the big one, right? Because we don't know how they look against NBA competition. We've seen Chris Duarte in Summer League, and we've seen Isaiah Jackson in Summer League, and they both look great, and both are drawing great reviews out of practice. That said, they're going to get great reviews in their first ever training camp, of course. This isn't some shocking revelation. but Yeah, we've talked about it before. Has, has a rookie ever not been like the 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 best at something you know really high valued at his pick like i would be shocked if a, if a coach said oh yeah we dropped this guy a month ago and he's terrible well actually it's funny you say that because this weekend i was reading about doc rivers taking some not digs but you know criticisms of tyrese maxi in like his second ever training camp i was like wow the rare against the grain analysis uh out in philly from from doc rivers which i thought was funny but yeah i mean we've seen for me in practice, they have this bell thing. I've, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but they do the shooting drill at the end of practice. You shoot five threes from five different spots, so 25 total. If you make 20 or more, you get to ring this bell. And Duarte, I think, has rang the bell every single day we've been at practice. Players have been raving about Isaiah Jackson and his defense and his athleticism like every day. And while in the regular season, these guys, you know, Isaiah probably won't be in the rotation. Duarte probably will be, especially given their injuries. In the preseason, they'll definitely both be playing in most or all of the games. So it'll be a good opportunity to analyze how they look against NBA competition. And then we don't have to rely on, 
you know, the the stupid training camp quotarisms from from players and coaches being like, yeah, they look great. They're, they're some of the best rookies I've ever seen. Instead, we can actually say, look at that. Chris Duarte looked very comfortable against NBA players. Or, oh, my gosh, he couldn't do anything but catch and shoot. Or, wow, Isaiah is really as athletic as they say. Or his defense is as advertised. You know, some guys have talked about him defending one through five, which is unheard of in the NBA. If he can do that, he should be in the rotation, right? So what level are we getting from those guys? It's, it's probably not only the the biggest thing to watch in camp, but it's, the, it's like the biggest takeaway from camp could be how that influences the rotation and stuff like that. So not camp preseason games, excuse me. So the games will change how you think about those guys and will probably impact their season the most. Yeah. And I think with uh, the games, especially we'll see if Duarte is at the pace of like NBA basketball, right? I think we saw in preseason, he's pretty much in the top echelon of whatever we call the rookie crop, right? He pretty much dominated in his, in his uh, summer league games. So it's, is, is he right. at the pace? Does he play at the speed? Does he move quick enough to actually play with NBA players? We won't see it a ton, but I wouldn't be shocked to see if he's playing some minutes with a couple of starters here or there, just to see what it looks like for a little bit. And then with Isaiah Jackson, it's just, you know, what does he show right now? He's young, a lot of raw talent, obviously probably not even fully developed for, you know, being 19 years old, but like, does he show something that's interesting in the prison that can, he can build on going forward? Yeah, anything from him would be a plus for me, right? They've called him a project this whole time anyway. So if he looks like he's got something that he can do right now, great. Awesome. Uh, play him sometimes, I guess. And Duarte, yeah, I mean, they, it's not necessarily like a hope for them that he's NBA ready, but they've all said a few times someone, an exec, a coach, a player, whatever, is like he's older, he's more experienced, he should be more ready to go. If he's not, that's a little concerning. So those evaluations will be important. Another thing that I had on my things to watch that's sort of roster related, I think is adjacent to this that I want to bring up is the roster battle at the end of the yeah, roster. That was my number two thing. Like when I said the guy had two obvious things. Yeah. So this is kind of rookie related as well, but you know, who's going to make the team is something we've talked about in camp for forever. And again, we can go round and round about what Rick Carlisle thinks of these guys, but it, that might not matter, right? If they go out in games and Keelan Martin is awesome and he's making all his threes and he's hitting shots off the bounce. He's going to make the team. Reminder, he's battling Keeper Sykes, who is a point guard who they apparently like. J. Michael, the Indy Star, reported on that. And the big thing there is behind Brogdon and McConnell, they have nobody at point guard. Karras can kind of do it, I think, as a thought from this team. But, you know, that that's still a low ball handling depth. Sumner getting hurt certainly hurts their depth in that way as well. So the thought is maybe Keeper Sykes could make the team and, and stabilize that that rotation and they have Dijon Giroux on a two-way who could in theory be their emergency point guard and boy does that guy have some energy at practice he is dancing all the time and yelling and running around and and he looks like he's going to be an energy player for sure but you know if you, you can't rely on him necessarily but Sykes you don't you know you never know what you're going to get from him either he's never played in the NBA either so seeing how Sykes does how Giroux does even uh, how Martin does how every exhibit 10 guy fighting technically with Martin for the last roster spot, though I would say it's mostly between Martin and Sykes. How those guys do in a, an NBA game with NBA players, against NBA players, and especially if it's something repeatable they could do in the regular season when it counts, that's a huge thing to watch in these games. Yeah, I, I wonder if Sykes has the most kind of potential of any player in the back end to actually get a starting job, right? That doesn't already happen. I, I was Not a starting job, a roster job, I'm sorry. Okay. A roster <laughs> position. Um, cause Martin, I think kind of already has it, right? Let's just say he kind of, he's the least, the, the favorite of those like five guys that they bring in on exhibit tens, plus the two way guys, whatever. 
that uh, Sykes is probably the only guy who probably has a real chance to challenge Martin for that spot just because of a need base. Unless I'm like one of those other exhibiting guys just like completely pops out of nowhere. I'd be surprised if anybody else gets that last spot, either Martin or Sykes. Yeah, I agree with that, except for the the maybe unique is the right word. The scenario where they love a two-way guy and they decide to convert the two-way guy and then give Sykes or even Keelan a two-way. where It's kind of a demotion for them, but then they could get the guy they want on the roster full-time, so they're always traveling with the team and stuff. Um, but they might value the reps. I mean, all those guys are young. Sykes on a two-way, for example, he's 27, makes a little less sense than Drew, who's only 23, I think, uh, who you want the G League reps yeah. in development for. So it's another option. I'm not saying they'll do it, but it's just another option if someone really stands out. But that's just another thing to watch, right? If, if Drew like is if, awesome, it's another consideration. If they want Sykes, they probably just got to put him on the roster. I mean, it, he's too yeah. he's too old, and there's not really like a value in having him for like just, what, like 45 days? Or what? what is the, the two-way now this season? Well, now right. it's you can play every game as a two-way guy. They altered the rules oh. last year because of COVID. Oh, they did because of COVID? Okay. So, yeah. but that's still like you for 50 games. I think it's 50 games is what it is. Right. So you probably just, if you're going to have Sykes, you probably just want him on the roster. I think he's going to make that much more. Like he'll, you can probably pay him the bare minimum that he gets at that, at his level. Right. Like you don't have to worry about having to overpay him a little bit. Like he'll take the minimum because he doesn't have a rush spot right now. So I'd be surprised if Sykes is a two way guy, but I could, the, the Drew Martin I'm sure is probably out there. And the other small consideration that's probably too minute, but something to consider at least is, Cutting Martin and keeping Sykes as your last guy saves them about $800,000, which they have some tax concerns, especially with bonuses. And every little bit helps. Maybe that helps them. So uh, that would help Sykes to me. So if he's got a good camp, I think he's got a chance. But I think Martin would have to be pretty bad to not make the team. You know, Kevin Pritchard alluded to, you know, Martin being the favorite. But also, he'd have to push back his guarantee date to to probably make the team, too. Because if he gets cut, Excuse me, if he's not willing to do that, they don't want to fully guarantee his deal, I'm assuming, uh, if they're going to have a battle for the last spot anyway. So there's some flexibility still to, to be tackled for the Pacers. So still some stuff to, stand, to to figure out there. And in these games, one of them standing out would be the deal breaker that finally makes it obvious what they should do. So if none of them stand out, it still might be tough, but we might get some clarity in these games. Maybe Sykes just a leverage play by uh, the front office, right? Bring it's, him in, challenge, make him be like, oh, we could just go with him to Martin's Barnes to push his guarantee day back to sometime in January. That's always possible. That is always possible. There's a lot of options and stuff to consider for the Pacers. We still got to talk about some other stuff to look out for and notes from camp. I have a lot because I've been crazy and watching way too much of the Pacers practice. But first, we got to talk about two awesome groups of people. The first group is the great folks over at Sleeper because Sleeper realized one day that fantasy basketball was broken. Games are being won and lost based on which person had more scheduled games that week for the guys in their roster. It made no sense. Didn't make any strategy. You just put in the guys who played the most. So in 2020, Sleeper said, let's do a different way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper in Game Pick. Owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. You don't lose anymore because your players have less than the other team anymore. You don't have to do mindless busy work, counting games, looking at the schedule, and all that nonsense that I had to do in the past. Giving up halfway through the season because of all that work, it's over. Go play game picks on Sleeper. You'll have way more fun playing fantasy basketball. All that adds up. More strategy, less busy work. Whether you play Redraft Keeper or Dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. Go check it out. If you play fantasy football, they've got that too. I use it on Sleeper, and it is excellent. Best way to chat with people in your league, to me, straight on the app of any fantasy place. Or if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app. Start a league with your friends today. 
you will not be disappointed. And of course, let's also talk about the great people over at Direct TV because does this sound familiar? If you're like me or Adam, you've got one device that lets you catch the game live. I was watching the WNBA playoffs on my phone today. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. I watched Bones on my TV for dinner using my Xbox today. Sports highlights on your phone. For me, it's the iPad. And you've got your friends logging for the good stuff. Well, there's an easy way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. And that is Direct TV Stream. It brings you live TV on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, there's still a lot to get to and talk about that we're watching in these preseason games in New York tomorrow. Unbelievable that the Pacers are already playing another game in Cleveland on Friday. Two road games. Malcolm Brogdon mentioned a pretty good way to start. They can get some bonding on the road, really get these rookies some travel time to get stuff going. So Adam, can I go first this time? I've got some stuff. Sure. I would say the guys can can enjoy New York City, right? That's always a fun time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're a rookie who might not make the team or make a team ever, being able to travel to New York for a preseason game with an NBA team's got to be cool, right? Yeah. Good way to spend like your day. Uh, so I had the rookies and Keelan on my list. I only have three more, so we'll just knock them out in this segment. Uh, something that they, that's been talked about a lot in camp, you know, I can see this from where I stand for my media duties. We can see Goga, Domas, and Miles shooting a ton of threes after practice. A ton of threes. It's like all they do. Uh, they've had various coaches rebounding for them today. I think it was Calbertini. I can't remember who it was earlier this week. But anyway... Uh, Miles has been talking about this is a five out offense, right? They're going to like a lot of five out and a lot more transition. Malcolm today, uh, Sunday at practice talked about how, you know, the way in transition that they're doing it now is instead of getting it to a guard, like last year with Bjorkren, who, and they were really, they played really fast last year, but they'd get it to a guard and then push or Sabonis this year, whoever rebounds is pushing or they're hitting it ahead a lot. They're just trying to go quicker up the court, get into their stuff quicker so that's we don't we don't know what the offense is going to look like. We can we can kind of look at summer league and the Mavs last year and these quotes and figure out you know okay I kind of got an idea of what how sets might start or how they might get into stuff after playing defense. But we don't know what, what the team's going to look like, and that is a huge thing to watch in preseason. It sets the notes and sets the notes. Excuse me, are they going to play in the regular season? Um, they're unscoutable right now by other teams, even in the regular season when that starts. You know, how they're going to play matters a lot in influencing how good they can be with the roster they have and and how they're going to play, you know, they have kind of a misfit group, how a new coach can try to get that unit to work together. Yeah, the the five-out thing is interesting. I, I think I – did you tweet that earlier this week? Somebody did. Uh, um, Scott was the first one on it. I, okay. Yes, you wrote a whole story about it, I believe. Well, I'd like to give original sourcing, of course. Um, yeah, Scott Hagnes. That, I mean, I don't know how much we'll see in the in the preseason games, but that'll be interesting because I Turner is one of the him bringing up the ball will be or if he even like pushes them a little bit interesting because he will probably be the guy that get a decent amount of rebounds depending on how they run the defense and how much he's pulled from the hoop or whatnot or pushed away. But because I think everybody else on the, on the starting five, like you'd expect, can bring the ball loose a little bit, right? You, yep. you know, Sabonis, Sabonis needs to get better at it, but that's kind of like his next level in his game is to sort of just become that push play, right? If he can become kind Lord of a... bringing it up last year is funny because it was either an automatic bucket or a turnover every time. Well, no it, in and it's very, right, the, the center push thing really started with Draymond Green, I feel like. That was kind of when it first became a thing when he's, like, that's that was the Warriors' like secret success or part of their success at least was that Draymond could just rerun the ball and push the floor and they would just run this ridiculous pace and have all their shooters open. Uh, and so I'm interested to see if they could do that with Turner a little bit. Um, but it's good to see at least that... Like, 
all of a sudden are shooting threes and they're they're embracing the five out because for the only way for Goga to play, which I assume we'll see some with the other centers, is to play with another center. And I don't if he can't they can't both shoot threes. That's going to be like just a clunky lineup. Yeah, we'll go to one of yours in a second, but you just unintentionally segued into one of mine, which is oh. what, what is the rotation? And you only unintentionally segued into it because you said Goga. And Goga, Carlisle, I asked him about Goga to, on Sunday, and he said Goga's gonna, going to play on Tuesday in the preseason game, right? So I don't know. It's not going to be the normal rotation right away. It might be by the end of camp because he mentioned that they're going to kind of ease in starter minutes uh, as camp goes along. But go, he said Goga's going to play right on Tuesday, so... How much do we see of the normal rotation? What do we see of some of the younger guys who might not play as much? We might not get a good read on in these preseason games what they mean for the regular season right away. But, you know, if Gog is going to play, for example, like is he actually in a second unit or is he just out there, right? That kind of stuff we can gauge from preseason, how they rank guys, how they feel about guys, and and frankly, how those guys fit in the system we just talked about. So the rotation matters as well in that calculus. Yeah, part of, part of my fear would be Gogo shoots really well from three in the like the three preseason games and goes back to shooting like crap from three in the regular season. Like <laughs> there's like this fall, like that, and that's the thing that preseason happens a lot is like you maybe get this kind of like false sense of a certain player because they do something really good in a game where nobody's really playing defense and they get to the real basketball and all of a sudden it's like oh they're not that good at that. You know, remember how good Edmund Sumner was his sophomore preseason, and he was still good that year, but he definitely wasn't as good as he was in preseason that year. And he was getting a lot of hype, like premature hype for it. Hey, we love it. And Sumner, he's great, but he wasn't that good then. <laughs> he just was awesome against the Rockets. I remember in that preseason. Yeah. I remember Warren hit the game winning three in India with it two years ago. Now. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he really couldn't hit that kind of three all season long until the bubble basically. Right. He wasn't yeah. really that kind of three point shooter. And then he got there by the <laughs> end of the season. Shot. But yeah. I mean, that I one was like, that was a fun game. That was probably the most fun recent game we'll probably ever watch. <laughs> Frankly. Yeah, Priyanka Chopra was there. Like there was a lot of well, and they fun. played the starters for a while because there was like kind of a big NBA buzz around it. Like they yeah. wanted to like put up a real game for the for the, the and NBA they were jet lagged for like two weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah, that's, they, they started did. like zero and four. That's right. They started they started up terrible, but they that was a weird season. Don't go. Yeah, that's like a thing that's happened to all these teams that go play preseason tours overseas. Which but that's, that's not happen. a thing that can happen right now. But yeah, I so said that's probably like the last time they're playing in India for a little while, just because with all the travel restrictions. All right, give me something else you're watching in preseason games. So we kind of hit on it a little bit, uh, but with Carlisle, is how much does he show in the preseason versus like his regular season kind of style, right? I, I don't think we'll see a ton, but I think we still might see a little bit of like certain things the team is practicing that they're they're going to have, like those kind of like almost default into, right? Like certain whether it's a certain play or what you know a certain pace they're playing at. Like I don't think they're going to like run all these revolutionary like out of bounds plays or this weird, you know, brand new sets, but like there might be a certain way on defense. They're just set up because that's the way they are practicing the whole time, or uh, they push it a little more because they've been doing that a lot in practice. So, like I'm interested to see what little things are kind of precursors to what Carla brings to the team when the season starts. Uh, I'll go, I'll take a step further. I don't think they'll run like anything. <laughs> right. Well, so I don't think, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll run anything, but like, I, I would be surprised if like, you know, they've been practicing some defensive set, let's say over and over again if they don't just like fall into it one time because it's kind yeah. of like the default position and that might be right. like like we might not see it a ton or like like i think i think the pushing thing is really interesting like i think we could see that a little just because they've been doing that in practice and Sabonis get a rebound and just goes just cuz kind of thing but i don't think they'll run like anything interesting at least right i agree with that i think it'll be mostly simple stuff and, and the tipping isn't like as important as this is between regular season and playoffs but they also haven't had time to instill like everything right like a lot of the focus of camp this week per the player discussions in Carlisle has been back to the basics. Cause last year, you know, Bjorkren 
it, it was funny and refreshing at the time to look back on this because McMillan was very vanilla in his sets and his defense, everything. And the defense was good and the offense was not. So then Bjorkman comes in, he's like, we're going to do all this crazy stuff and run all these plays and run around off the ball and set screens everywhere and push it up the floor and be crazy aggressive on defense and disruptive. And we're all like, awesome. You know, this is great. This is uh, way different. And this is this will break the stale pacers and all that, blah, blah, blah. And it was bad. <laughs> it didn't work at all. So they've been talking about getting back to the basics with Carlisle. So even like you're mentioning with how much they're tipping is how much are they tipping in terms of creativity, too? Because if it's it won't be too much like McMillan. We know Carlisle too well just from watching his old teams to know that. But wh where do they look on that scale? will be interesting for me as well. Yeah, I think the difference between Carlisle and McMillan and kind of why Carlisle is probably on that next tier of coach, although I will probably say McMillan may have actually reached their last season with the Hawks, was Carlisle can be a little bit inventive, but also knows how to adjust to his team and doesn't necessarily have to play the same style over and over again, but will kind of be creative with this team he has. Whereas McMillan kind of, what he ran with Indiana, he also used to kind of run in Portland. He used to run in Seattle. Like, there's, it's a little bit different, but it was very similar. Like, take the first open shot, kind of, get, you know, take what defense gives you, and then we want to play half-court defense sets over and over again. Where Carlisle, I think we've seen, is will reinvent his team year to year based just the roster, if it changes or whatnot. So that's where he will be a little different, I think, than Bjorken, which should be good and refreshing. But we probably won't see any of that. It probably, like, pay dividends until probably late November, to be honest. How many more things do you have on your list? Uh, I think I have one more. Okay, do it. And then I'll do my last one. Um, I think the last one I had was just watching how many minutes do the actual starters play and just seeing what that looks like. Who's the actual like starting five-ish, right? Like do does Duarte get, get the starting spot? Does it go to Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig? I, you know, who knows? Do they do a different one in each game just to see how it looks? Like I'd just be interested to see who are the starting five for like that could preview who's going to be the starting five the first game. Assuming Levert is there. Who are, who's in Warren's spot, basically? I think it'll be Lamb Holiday in the preseason games. Yeah, um, I would agree. You know, and I think Carlisle's talked about mixing it up in practice a little bit because he's not married to that group. But everyone in that unit, all five of them have been like, you know, they've all played together for the last two years. So like, yeah, we're whizzing around great. We, we feel awesome together. Like the familiarity's there. Lamb especially has been like, dude, this group's kicking butt. And Carlisle likes it too. So I think that group will start. In the preseason, and when Levert comes back, Lamel would get bumped out to me. What do you, think? you don't think they'll give any chance to Duarte just to see what it's like for like a game? I doubt it. I kind of doubt okay. it. Okay. I'm I mean, may maybe. You know, he, he said he's mixing and matching. And, you know, that we learned a lot about Carlisle's media this week because it was his first week, you know, talking to us every day. Wheat Hodgkiss at Patriots.com tried to ask him, like, hey, you mix and match the lineups today at practice. Like, how did that go? And, you know, you and I hearing that question asked, we're kind of expecting to be like, it went good. We we tried this and that and stuff. But Carlisle went with the lawyer answer, just like, yep. <laughs> and that's it. So we don't really know what he did, and he didn't really like tip it that much. So uh, I think Lamb will start the first preseason game. Maybe it's possible stuff gets mixed up. But you know, just going off of the jerseys guys were wearing, which the color of the shirt they're yeah. wearing, um, I don't think that they were going with a new starting five. I think they just like completely mix and match stuff. Like there was some interesting combos in that. Yeah, bracket. but too, if Lamb and Holiday start, if Lamb ends up surprising expectation does he end up working away at the starting spot somehow can, just can you can you google she adam that's my fifth uh that's my fifth thing oh is it i have not my last thing to watch in preseason. how good does jeremy lamb look or bad after last year and in general right because he, he was the talk a lot of the offseason of what's his role even on this team is he going to be on the team right he makes 10.5 million to maybe not play should he even be on the team he's probably not going to have a rotation spot with all these guys healthy then sumner gets hurt then warren gets hurt karis is 
currently kind of hurt. I'll talk about him next segment because I have a lot to talk about with him. So he's got this huge opportunity. All of a sudden, maybe he looks great and makes us look stupid for kind of killing him, you know, a lot this offseason and talking about what his next home could be. And maybe he doesn't look good. And they think about, like you just talked about, starting Duarte over him. And, you know, the consideration there makes a lot of sense. One's a rookie who you're going to have for a long time if they pan out. The other guy's on an expiring deal, right? Who do you put the priority there? It's easy. But if Lamb looks good, you have to think about it a little more. It kind of changes what you think about with the trajectory of this team, especially with Sumner out. So, yeah, how good he looks uh, is very interesting to me. Coming, You know, he has now a full offseason to recover from the ACL stuff and all the injuries he had last season. So just in general with him, because we didn't get the full picture of him last season, how does he look and does that change how I feel about his future with the team? It would be really hard for him to change how I think about his future with the team, but it's possible if he's starting and looks good, I guess. If he could play really any defense at any kind of, any any i mean last any, year he, he yeah. was he was a it's like well a fire hydrant out there basically half the time yeah. but like yeah if he could play any defense that sort of makes him at least valuable somewhat valuable because sh- i don't think a shooting went away and he's a good offensive score when he's like kind of going well he's got he only had like one or two dribble moves last year right he used to be able yeah, to but, get the elbow so easily he didn't have that last year so getting back to that would be nice too yeah but, but on the bench he doesn't need like 10 moves he just needs to be able no to no but it's open helpful. three and make a move it never hurts <laughs> no it doesn't hurt but like if our expectation is him to just be like the seventh eighth guy like play a little defense and make and make, right. make your open dump shots that's all you basically have to do to keep i mean what do they give up five points a game because he just reaches around and doesn't stand in front of the guy like just cut out those and that already improves your defensive rating by like one or two points so yeah I mean, yeah, I mean he, he, hit, he hit the stage with his hand because he got beat him like that. I mean, it was like constantly on replay. It felt like watching that. Yeah, it really was. So so he's a big one to me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Like, I don't know if he'll fall behind Duarte or out of the rotation still if he stinks in this preseason on Levert's back. But that's like not impossible for him. So you know, he could be fighting for minutes even, uh, which is fascinating to talk about. You know, between like O'Shea, Torrey Craig, Duarte, Lamb, like one of them probably won't be playing when when Karras comes back so the, them establishing minutes and L- lamb's the big linchpin there to me because he was not very good last year he didn't play much last year all right let's talk about camp a little bit i've seen the end of three or four practices now i've talked to well, i think over half the team in media sessions carl every day i've got some stuff to point out and talk about about the team so let's do that but let's talk about some other cool stuff first including the great folks over at Bilt Bar, because they are making the best tasting protein bars ever. We've talked about them for years on this show. They're 100% covered in chocolate, soft, and easy to chew protein bars that are great for everybody the health conscious guy, the person looking for a snack, a meal replacement, whatever you want. You got to try Bilt Bar. There's a bunch of delicious, amazing flavors. They even have this mixed box where you can get nine of their most popular flavors. The double chocolate in there is really good. The cookies and cream in there is really good. And not only are Bilt Bars delicious, you know, most protein bars are kind of crap. Bilt Bar is delicious, but they're also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and they're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. It's pretty sweet. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order of Built Bars. Tons of our listeners have tweeted at me and telling me they loved them. I swear, I can give you references. Go check them out. Built.com, you'll get 15% off. Check them out. Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. I've been at camp every day. I have thoughts on the things I've seen and stuff about the team. One of them I already talked about that I put in my notes at him, and that's Brogdon talking about the speed, the hit-aheads, the whoever gets it, taking it up at least a little bit. They're just trying to fly up the court. And, you know, they were really high up in pace last year, but Brogdon kind of 
called it like more organized pace this time, which I think is interesting because under McMillan, they were really organized, but they were really slow. So, you know, we already talked about it a little bit, but that balance will be fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, the last year, I think the pace was to the detriment, to be honest. If you look at like times, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think over the past couple of seasons, they've always said the first, like McMillan or Bjork, and it was we're going to play fast. They score, they play fast the first three or four games, and then outside of last year, they usually are pretty bad, and so they settle into kind of a more slower pace that lets them set, you know, their defenses, and they end up having really good defense and kind of a an average offense. Last year, they played really fast, had an average offense, and had a below average defense, and that's basically what's like their detriment. I think that last year. When they were mostly healthy, the pace was to their detriment because they have a lot of guys who are better at reading a set defense and breaking it down, whatever you want to call it. But then at the end of the year, when they were really hurt, really hurt, and they were playing a lot of guys with less experience with set plays or just less NBA experience in general, faster, free-flowing, less sets, move. That was helpful for guys like you know Keelan and O'Shea and all those other guys who were playing that normally didn't play at the end of the season. Some two-way guys, Amita. Um, you know, that was helpful for them. So, I, you know, I was hit and miss, but I would say mostly it was bad for a lot of the season. So I think Carlisle getting that straightened out will be really good. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Speaking of O'Shea, he we talked to him Sunday. Well, you know, we talked to Carlisle first about him. And something Carlisle said about O'Shea is he's been used most or exclusively, basically. You know, I don't ever want to say always because I haven't seen all of practice. Right. Um, but using his words, you know, almost exclusively, almost all the time as a four. And that's not news, right? O'Shea Brissett's a four. But because, like I said earlier, between him, Duarte, Lamb, and Torrey Craig in that second unit, you're probably going to be only able to use three of those four guys. If O'Shea's only playing one position, you know, that's a little harder for him. I still think he should be one of the three guys that get it. Uh, but, you know, then eventually Warren will come back. Then things get a little more complicated. So the fact that he's not playing three, I don't think that hurts him necessarily, but it does, you know, make you think, okay, I think he'll be the backup four and four exclusively if they're pushing him into that spot. And to add to that, when we talked to O'Shea himself and he was talking about the system he's playing in and how it's working, he specifically brought up playing with TJ McConnell, who's for sure going to be in the rotation as the backup two guard. So it seems like the units he's running with in practice, he is D4 with the backup unit. Unsurprising, mostly, given the context of this team, but because we don't know and because there's some questions about what that second unit will look like, I think we've gotten more clarity that O'Shea will probably be the backup for at least early in the season. I mean, I would, I thought he's going to be a four. I mean, that's where he, it kind of like a natural. Oh, I agree. I just no, not playing anywhere else. No flexibility there makes it a little more complicated when Warren comes back. Yeah. I mean, I guess he, he actually could play center, but that would take a lot, a lot of injuries, like, like, like a, like a, like a massive wave of injuries to like three players. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think the four is his natural fit because it's, he can. He's basically kind of a three and D, a little better defense, a little more size. So that's yep. basically a four and D. Uh, I think it's and it's what the Pacers need the most. I mean, they don't really have a a four, right? I mean, I guess Craig maybe, but Craig's more like a three. So really, it's like Turner, who's really more like a five. Gogo is more like a five. Like O'Shea is the only true four on the team. So that makes sense. They want him to be there because that would be his best shot to be like in closing minutes if he can actually play the four reliably. I agree it's his best position, and again, we talk, when we did our interesting lineup show, we like both had him in so many of them at the four. Just not at the three at all was, was interesting to me, especially because my next note was on Torrey Craig, who you just said. Torrey Craig has been playing both the three and the four, and that maybe makes me think he'll be, he could be the utility odd man out of that group because he's been splitting time. But, but I think at the start of the season, he might be the backup three because if Karras is not back especially, he'll be the backup three. But if not, 
he might be fighting for that last rotation spot. We'll see with him. But, I mean, everybody's been lauding his defense, unsurprisingly. Obviously, he's very good at it. But, um, yeah, he's been playing both three and four in various units. So that could be the guy pressuring O'Shea for minutes at some point. But also the fact that he's playing the three makes me think with Warren out, it will be Justin Holiday starting and Torrey Craig behind him. But, in his case, again, if he's splitting between the three and four, maybe Lamb's Osman preseason and then they go Lamb Duarte as the bench two, three. So, Craig's splitting time might give him a chance for minutes if someone else gets hurt, but it also means he's probably behind some guys at those positions. It makes it a little harder for him to get in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers have, like, uh, plentiful twos, threes, and fives. Like, yeah. like because yep. they have some guys who can play two and three, either one. The The good thing for Craig, I guess, and the bad thing for the Pacers is that they've already lost a, lost a two in Sumner, so that helps away some competition. There's, an, there's two injuries to the two and three right now, so that should help him. But I'd be... But Craig, it's going to be interesting once, like, if things do get fully healthy, and maybe that means everybody but Sumner, basically, like, where he falls in. Because I don't I don't know if, like, I think he might have a better shot of playing at the four, to be honest, just because it's not as much depth there. I know Shea could get hurt and like that, or Turner, you know, Turner's most missing games, and that could be an opportunity for him to kind of fill in as, a, as the backup four. Because uh, I think once everything settles in at the three, they're going to be kind of deep between Justin Holiday, Warren, and then I think LeVert can play a little three if they need to. Yeah, I agree with all that. And and Craig, again, like could be utility defense to end the game or in the half, whatever, but uh, he'd have to perform pretty well to like c- clearly deserve minutes over O'Shea or Warren or, whoa- or Holiday or whoever. I mean, he's not going to deserve minutes over Warren. But so so his role is interesting, but he can play three and four. I think we kind of need that, but we've gotten it from the coach's mouth, how they're kind of experimenting with those lineups. And you mentioned Karras' injury and how that plays into how they'll finish up shaking out this rotation. You know, Karras is hurt. Carlisle wouldn't really share any updates from the second opinion they got. That said, you can see the video on my Twitter feed if you want. I've seen him every day at practice, shooting a bunch, moving around well, rebounding for his teammates in a good mood. He was working with Jenny Bushek, an assistant coach today, on a move to get open in the corner and and shoot threes. He was nailing them. He looks looks pretty good for a guy who's hurt. And the caveat here is that, you know, he did tell us, like the day that Woj tweeted this injury out. Like he he did media that day, which means it's not that serious. You know, guys with serious injuries don't ever really do media or they're not at practice at all. But he did say he could do shooting and conditioning. So seeing him do it isn't like a surprise. But just my note would be from someone who can actually see what's happening is that he he looks pretty, pretty damn good. So <laughs> I, I'm not worried about him missing. If any time that much time, I'd imagine he can be back by opening night if I'm a betting man. I don't know that, though, but he does look and he's moving very well when you we can see him. Yeah, I don't think they're going to rush him, though. If he needs to miss a game nope. or two, he missed the game or two. I mean, it's not yep. it's not like he missed the first three games. It's going to ruin their season. It's, right. it's okay. Um, but, I mean, yeah, from your video, he looks like he's, you know, fine. I mean, I, I don't I, – it's probably with him kind of a pain management thing. Does he wake up really sore the next day or, like, what's the issue with that? And how do you make sure it's not a long-term injury instead of, like, a two-week injury? Yeah, if I had to do notes from guys I can see shooting in general, I didn't type any of these down. Um, one day I remember O'Shea missing a lot of threes, but today he was making a lot of threes. I don't know how to contextualize that. It's also practice. <laughs> it doesn't matter that much, but you know, they always say a threshold of like 18 plus out of 25 threes is like needed to be considered a game viable shooter. Uh, TJ McConnell has been working a lot again on getting a hitch out of his shot. So he starts a little lower in his release, but it's all kind of one motion now as oh, he shoots good. it. The YouTube people watching can actually see me doing stuff now. So I have the advantage of that on the YouTube screen as we record our first YouTube show. 
Uh, Kiefer Sykes seems to be shooting pretty well. He's rang the bell a lot. Same with Duarte. He's rang it quite a bit. We saw Domas ring it once, which was pretty cool. Goga's hitting threes pretty well. So not many. I mean, it's open threes in practice. So not. I mean, I've only noticed like two down days, like I said. But uh, you know, guys seem to be shooting them well. They have to shoot a ton after every practice every day. Isaiah Jackson's doing a lot of free throw work during this time, which is cool to see him get those up. Uh, but yeah, it's just fun to see guys uh, shooting and shooting well. Justin Holiday hit 24 out of 25 today. He wanted to get the 25th, but but he missed it. So yeah, a lot a lot of that's all we get to see mostly is shooting at the end a little bit. We can hear scrimmaging, but uh, it, it was cool to hear all that today. Yeah, I, I we'll see if the shooting is better than it was last year. That's I mean, that's a you question. McDermott, right? Yeah, I mean, can somebody fill in his what did he shoot last year? 30, he ended up shooting 38%, right? At the end of the year. Is that what it was? But yeah, like, for him, it was less about the percentage and more about the threat, right? Yeah. And, and that's not there. So, yeah, he had perhaps like top four rest threat. And maybe they'll be a better shooting team. Uh, Carlisle seems have always been at least very willing, whoever catches, to shoot the three. So perhaps that will be something that takes on a new life this year with the Pacers. I'm looking forward to it. So today we previewed preseason games just in general. Tomorrow they play a real game. I, I literally can't believe the Pacers are already playing another game. So we kind of saved our Knicks-specific preseason preview stuff for tomorrow. Normally for games, we have an expert from the other team come on and talk about them. Kind of pointless when you know the Knicks team changed. We have some stuff we can talk about that's specific to them, but we don't know anything about what they're going to look like in games, so not a real time to have an expert for their team on. But tomorrow we'll talk about stuff specific to the Knicks that we're watching for in game one and just general preseason buzz and excitement and then we'll do the same for the Cavs this week you know we'll cover all the topics of camp but you know a lot of basketball previews coming for the Pacers because we can actually talk about our basketball game so I'm excited you got anything else today Adam no I'm excited for basketball to start that's mainly it me too the Colts won a game so our wager our wager our discussion of who will have more wins by the end of October between the Colts and Pacers the Colts finally are in the lead in, the, in that uh in that race so uh colts fans congratulations on seeing yeah i didn't watch the game today purposely because i thought maybe they do better so maybe I won't are you superstitious about that kind of stuff no i just really frankly didn't want to watch it because they were so bad the last three i went to (laughs) i went to the game last weekend it was so disappointed i'm like i don't want to watch this team i would rather just take a nap on my couch the vikings have been bad basically my whole life and i never watch any of their games so i'm not superstitious but (laughs) just saying the correlation is there well they lost today too so i i'm not gonna lie I don't even know. So I'm not going to pretend to be some football fan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. If you're watching on YouTube, awesome. It would be really helpful for me. I'm on Twitter at TESNBA. If you told me that this was your first time ever listening to Lockdown Pacers and you found us via YouTube, that'd be sweet. Adam is on Twitter at Freeman on five. This show is at Twitter at Lockdown Pacers. Again, thank you guys a ton for listening. If you could check us out and subscribe on YouTube again, that's a new platform. I'll keep talking about it. Sorry about that. That would be really great we'll be back tomorrow to talk pacers knicks and start a preseason thank you guys for listening and we'll see you then